Welcome to this episode of Against the Mountains of Madness. I'm your host, Jason. And I'm John Wright. And on this episode, we're going to be exploring the idea trapped in the holodeck. So, John, trapped in the holodeck, what does that mean? How do we know we are not? In, in many science fiction stories, people have explored the idea, which comes from Buddhism and from Gnosticism, that everything around us could just be an illusion. Everything could just be fake. All of our sense impressions could be lying to us. Descartes speaks about it, and science fiction writers have often taken stories and, and run with it. So, how do we know we are not living in a simulation? How do we know um, that the world is real and not, uh, not simply an illusion? I mean, come on. Everyone lives his life as if it's real life. You can't not live your life as if it's real. So we all know reality is real. I'm not sure why you're asking the question. Well, that's true. Um, computer and program. Well, this is awkward. Well, you make a point. <laughs> <laughs> it is possible to be mistaken about what our senses tell us or to have false ideas. We all know that. It's part of the human condition. But there's been several movies made and a number of, of good books uh, that just deal with this theme, including books that start with the main character being an amnesiac who doesn't know what's going on, or the main character is toppling end over end over end in a mist and hearing whispering voices telling him reality is not real, uh, or with the main character who has been, his brain has been reprogrammed, so he doesn't actually you know, uh, know anything about what's really going on. Uh, and there's also been stories about people who actually are trapped in an electronic illusion of one sort or another. They're you know, trapped on the holodeck and they can't get off. And they, can't, they can't find their way back to reality. Uh, I think the most famous movie that did this recently was The Matrix, which if you haven't seen, I, I just have to recommend. <laughs> it's 20, 20. It's got. It's, it's a, the Matrix is a 20 something. It's not recent anymore. We're old. <laughs> you and I have different time scales. To, to me, it seems like. Because the idea had been treated uh, so thoroughly in books written in the 40s and 50s, to me, a story made in the in the 2000s, uh, to me, the year 2000 is still in the far future. So you just have to. You just have to uh, Fair enough. Just, just pretend you're just pretend you're speaking with the sleeper from H.G. Wells. Fair enough. Uh, and to me, it seems like a recent movie. Uh, yeah. Because for one thing, it changed the way photography was done for all sorts of action movies. The mm. the. Uh, idea of the circular pan slow-mo and uh, doing all your kung fu in super slow motion was, was really cool and they did it the wachowski brothers back when they were brothers did a really good job of it speaking of people who don't know what's real and what's not yeah. real. uh so but no they still make good art i'm not gonna i'm yeah. not gonna judge them on their on their personal uh personal wreckage they've made up their personal lives because i'm not responsible for them but there's another movie that came out the same season yeah that deals with the same theme that in my personal opinion was much better. Okay. And I say this is a personal opinion because I like the movie mostly because it reminded me of many of these films that I've just met, many of these books from the 50s that I just mentioned that treated with whether or not reality is real, whether or not you're being deceived by a, a world-girdling conspiracy. Uh, and it was called Dark City. Mm. It was made by Alex Process, whose name I can't pronounce, who's also the guy who did The Raven and other books that, other movies that uh, uh, apparently, as it turns out, uh, uh, I'm only I'm the only one old enough to remember that the premise in Dark City is that a guy with amnesia wakes up in a bathtub and realizes that he's a serial murderer and the police are looking for him, but he doesn't feel like a serial murderer. He he, he knows he can't he's not capable of killing anyone, uh, mm. and he tries to find out who he is and where he's from and what his name is and so on and so forth. 
And he also finds out that little strange things happen around him. Like he can, he can stare at a, uh, at a locked box at a laundromat and break open the, uh, excuse me, not a laundromat as at an auto kitchen and, and break open the, the window, you know, just by thinking at it. And then he realizes that there's creepy men in long black coats who look like something from a German expressionist movie with, with uh, switchblade knives that are, uh, that are coming for him, uh, including a little pale dwarf who apparently are undead or aliens or, or spirit beings or something. He doesn't know what they are. Hmm. And his wife, his estranged wife gets involved. And so does a, uh, so does a policeman who's trying to solve the mystery that drove his, the previous officer on the, on the, on the, on the job mad. Drove him insane. Now, since we're talking about this in the context of a world where reality is unreal, uh, obviously my, you know, I don't need to say spoiler warning, but things are not as they seem in that in that in that film. No, and it has some of the some of the cleverest uses of uh, uh, like a science fiction technique that I've ever seen on a film, and the uh, the ending I found it to be immensely satisfying. And they also play Rite of Spring during the final battle sequence when, uh, when uh, the entire city is being warped and distorted around them by means of overwhelming psychic powers. So, and it and stars, uh, stars an actress who I just think is, uh, is drop-dead gorgeous. Uh, the same young lady who was in uh, Labyrinth, Jennifer Connelly. Okay. And uh, uh, so, but same theme, same year, same time. But everyone remembers The Matrix mm. from so long ago. And almost no one remembers Dark City but me. No, I remember but, Dark uh, City. The, I enjoyed that. It was an interesting film. But uh, the uh, the Matrix put forward in an easy-to-grasp fashion a philosophical concept of saying, what if this world is a deception? What if we are trapped in a, a matrix of deception created not for our benefit, created for the benefit of the people who are exploiting us? Now, in the movie, they said they're being exploiting for battery power, which is as a science fiction idea is, is kind of stupid Apparently, but as a metaphor as an idea for as an idea for how to show how uh, uh, um, uh, worthless how how exploited a person is to be used only for the electricity in your body is a brilliant metaphor but if you think about it, it's not going to make any sense and, and I think you're about to say Apparently, Apparently they were going to do something orig else originally they were it was supposed to be the humans were being networked. Their, their brains were being used for computing power or something like that, as opposed to being used as batteries, which is completely physically ridiculous. Yeah. But that's okay. But I hope I, but I hope you agree with me that no matter how physically ridiculous it is, it's a more gripping metaphor. It's, it, it punches you in the gut, whereas finding out that your unused brain space is being used for computer power is not as humiliating, you see. That's true. Because human brains are still, are still being held to be worthwhile. But, there, but if we're being used for battery power, you know, and Morpheus just holds up a little a little D cell to show how <laughs> small it is. Mm. So I, I have to, I, as a science fiction writer, I have to look down my nose at an idea that doesn't make any sense scientifically. But as a as a moviegoer, I have to go, oh come on, that's that's as awesome as mm. as a, a, a Keanu Reeves learning kung fu. It was Keanu Reeves, wasn't it, or was it Ke someone else? Keanu Reeves, yep. Yes. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay, okay. One of his uh, most famous roles after Bill and Ted's, the Bill and Ted's movies. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Uh, and, and the uh, John Wick ones these days, I suppose, but anyway. The second movie... <laughs> I digress. Uh, the, second, the second movie I also liked, even though I only like the fight scenes, and if I ever rewatch it, I just 
fast forward past all the talking, because what happened is they tried to get a little too heavy handed with their philosophy in the second in the second film. If you build the philosophy into the into the storytelling, so that the main character Neo, the one, turns out to be you know a secret king, a secret prophet, the the, the, the chosen one, the Messiah who's going to lead who's going to lead people out of the Egypt of the illusory world into into perfect freedom. Uh, you know you can your plot doesn't have to make that much sense. You can have them do things like stick giant robotic worms inside your stomach or wipe your mouth away. And then later in the fight scenes, they don't have that power to do that to you anymore for some reason. Yeah. I've never understood why they couldn't just flip a switch and turn off your Kung Fu power that you just flipped a switch and, and downloaded into your brain. But be that as it may, that's, that's me being a science fiction critic and nitpicking in terms of the look and feel of it. The thing was as gorgeous as any Japanese anime. It was slick looking and the main character dresses like a Roman Catholic. So I, as a Roman Catholic, approve of Roman Catholic ninjas beating up evil computer computer men. But I, I like the second movie better than the first for one reason. In the second movie, there was a falsehood on top of a falsehood. Because apparently the Oracle, who was in the first movie, was just had a mystic power. In the second movie, turned out to be a computer program that was also deceived and also deceiving him. And the truth was actually somewhere buried deeper, you see. Mm-hmm. And he was told that the whole uh, the whole idea of the nature of the of the neo of the one who was going to save everyone, that was also part of a trick. Yeah. See, so that that was really kind of uh, that was an interesting way to peel away the next layer of the onion of conspiracy, because if you're writing a conspiracy theory thriller, even a metaphysical conspiracy theory, which is what which is what the Matrix was, because metaphysics is the, is the science of dealing with reality, fundamental reality. Mm-hmm. And if you can't trust your senses and you can't trust whether or not fundamental fundamental reality is real, that's as exciting as finding out that spies are taking over your government. But in this case, spies have agents have taken over reality. Yeah. So how do you how do you fight that? How do you get out of that? See, it's quite interesting as a concept. Now, having said all that, I still prefer Dark City because it did not have any gaffes or goofs or or silliness. It looked really good. It was really slick, and. Uh, uh, the ending made sense. Also, the third Matrix movie is not not really worth watching. No, it's not. I mean, it it's ends gar- the, it ga- ends it ends the series. I guess it sort of ties everything together. But yeah, and the fourth one, he the less sp- said about the better. I wasn't even aware there was. A, oh no, I did. I did know there was a fourth they one. Made it was a f- called uh, uh, it was called Matrix Cash Grab, wasn't it? Something like that. I haven't. Grab. I haven't seen it. Yeah. I haven't. I've I've, yeah. I've 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 heard some reviews of it, and it just doesn't sound it, it doesn't I, I even didn't... sound it doesn't even sound worth watching as a train wreck <laughs> unlike uh, uh ant-man and the wasp ant-man, ant-man and quantum mania does... i want to watch because which... it sounds like it's an absolute train wreck but it'll sounds like it'll be fun to watch as a train wreck it does sound like a train wreck yeah so yeah. I, I feel the same way because i'm an ant-man fan from way back uh so be that as it may on Star Trek, they've occasionally had they've occasionally had shows where they wanted to use the holodeck for something, and the holodeck is a hard thing to put into a story because it's basically like having a story about a storyteller telling a story, yeah. where you and the character in the story know nothing is real and there's no stakes at heart, and the, the most that will happen is you'll lose the game. So they have to have an accident. They have to have the, the Enterprise struck by lightning or something, so that the transporter uh, uh, buffer. Was accidentally downloaded into the into the into the uh, the holodeck uh, memory bank, 
so that if anyone dies in the game, their real person dies in real life, which is which is what they did, by the way, also in in Matrix. They did the same thing. They mm. said if you die in the game, you die in real life, mm. which makes no sense. But you know, we'll, we'll give it to them. They but they have to have something. At least, yes? I mean, with the holodeck here, that's required for drama purposes. But I mean, in the real world, we play computer games like that all the time. That immer and it would just be the next level of immersion. Sure. And it would be. But we don't. It would be dramatic and exciting and fun in exactly the same way. Call of Duty or whatnot is. Well, only if, but in Call of Duty, you're not telling the story about Call of Duty. You're telling the story about the war. Yeah. Oh, no, I see what you're saying. You in order to make an interesting story about storytelling, you have to say, uh, there are if I win my law case, if I win my law case in the game, I win it in real life. Or you have it be yeah. that the computer game is computer hackers trying to get past the security... So that, it, so that if they overcome the dragon in the fictional version, they actually get past the AI who is guarding the, you know, guarding the, the secret code to the, uh, you know, the, the, the weapon the weapon platform code or something, something. You see, you have to give it real real world stakes. Oh, no, I get it. I have to ask uh, the question, why on earth, sure. I mean, you know, why on earth would Starfleet allow holodecks on their ships based on the number of episodes where the entire ship is put in danger by this recreational facility? <laughs> I don't know. You have to ask why they have bowling alleys. On the original blueprints for the Star Trek, there was a bowling alley aboard the ship. And in the original blueprints for the uh, Star Trek, the Klingons, they had a shooting gallery for live animals. So I guess you have to be, I mean, recreation in space. If you're trapped aboard a submarine or, or, or the equivalent. Oh, no, that makes in sense. In space, I guess you need, I guess you need some, because uh, on the holodeck, you could go for a walk in the park, whereas otherwise you're just trapped in a can. That's true, but... How often does it nearly end in disaster? <laughs> I well, mean, if they they're, so, the... they're so dangerous and malfunction prone. But but the the hologram doctor from Star Trek Voyager saved their lives many times, and the emergency medical hologram was one of the best characters in the show. That's so true. You got to give him a little credit. Actually, that's true. Now, have you seen? Do you remember that episode where he became the emergency command hologram, and he was having daydreams? Um, no, I did not. Oh, I did not uh, see and that one. the whole episode is he's he's getting more and more erratic because he's programmed himself to have daydreams of being the emergency command hologram, and it's great because he becomes it, and his uniform goes red, and then he gets little pips appear <laughs> to become the captain. And some aliens were observing the ship, but they were observe basically observing his daydreams, and they were getting progressively more terrified of how dangerous Voyager was because the Borg turned up. And the emergency command hologram gave a command and like these lightning weapons are destroying the Borg cubes. <laughs> it's, just, it's such a great, it's just a wonderfully entertaining episode. I think it's like season six, but. Um, it is wonderful. Oh, I, I, I liked, now, I, I liked that. Anyway, sorry, but, I digress. But the interesting, no, no, it's, it's no digression at all because it's right on our topic. The interesting question there is, uh, since he's a hologram anyway, how unreal are his daydreams? Because he doesn't exist. He's just a collection of of, uh, of of brain engrams recorded into an electronic matrix. He, he's not real, or is he? Does he have a soul? If you turn him off, does he go to heaven? I don't does know. Does he have a conscience? Well, I suppose. Does he have a conscience. I, I I suppose it depends what you mean by turn him off. You can clearly shut him down and start his program up again later, and he experiences that as a. Ooh, 
So potentially, but, but potentially, but potentially, also, the afterlife is populated with thousands and thousands of um, copies of the Doctor as he is killed each time they turn him. Well, <laughs> yes and no, yes and no, because how do we know they don't have reincarnation in that universe? Oh. He could just pop over to the afterlife and then pop back, depending on his karma. The... Or men, men do sleep, and men sometimes even go into comas without being dead. That's true. You see, actually. Now, here's and... the... Yes. Uh, did you ever read the Reality Dysfunction series by Peter F. Hamilton? No, I heard it was really good, but I did not ever get a chance um, to read it. In, in it, in it, um, something goes wrong, and spirits from beyond um, are coming back and taking people over in the world today. Um, it's a, it's a great series. It's a it's a it's an interesting sort of naturalistic take on there being an afterlife. Um, mm -hmm. I recommend it. I enjoyed it. It's long, but it's it's a good read. Um, oh, well, a lot of people recommended it. It's, it's on my list of books to read. I just haven't gotten around to it. But what 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 turns out is happening is when someone dies, um, their soul. It's explained more in the book, but basically, their soul travels to the next world, and they can dimly see this world. But there's a you're supposed to go on from there, but. Lots of the people are stuck, just able to dimly see back into their sort of former lives, and you know they think they're in hell and whatnot. But um, but there's a character who's had a long continuous life by copying his intelligence, growing a new clone, disposing of the old body, and putting his intelligence in the new body. Um, yes, but that that always turns out well 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 but but what i thought was interesting was he then had the realization that effectively there'd be a whole lot of copies of him that when that body was destroyed has gone to the afterlife at that point and then he's continued living as a, a different person who will then meet his other self in the next life and so on each time they die um and i was i was always i always thought thing, it was a really fascinating concept go on if I may, the same thing will happen when Dr. Bones McCoy dies and he finds out that he was right all along and the transporter beam disintegrates <laughs> you and kills you every time and the completely new person just who happens to have your memories shows up again in the afterlife. Unlike Engineer Scotty, who has been killed and resurrected two times canonically, once by Apollo and once by Nomad, so he's fine in the afterworld because he knows how to come back to life because he's an engineer or something. No, he doesn't know how to do it, but the the gods do, the the energy beings do. So, uh, which brings up another aspect to this question, because in a lot of science fiction stories, there are creatures who can control major aspects of reality. Although in the science fiction stories, they're usually natural creatures. Is there really a big difference between being trapped in the holodeck, being trapped by the Matrix, and being in the in the presence of, let's say, the Greek god Apollo, who's actually an energy being from another planet who can rearrange matter and energy according to his whim? Or the Squire of Gothos. If you're in the castle of the Squire of Gothos, he's in control of reality around you, right? Mm. So, again, how would you know? And, and what could you do? Well, the, um, I don't know what you can do. Certainly, um... In the stories, there's all, the, the, these creatures are not omnipotent. No, there's, that's, always a, there's always a weakness. That's true. But that's then again, that's for a story. But there's a common, well, there's simulation theory that uh, seems to be gaining some traction today that our entire world is simulated, uh, is a simulation from a higher order of reality. We are, I don't know why they did it, but, you know, and what, le what level it's simulated to, I guess, remains to be seen. But 
that's uh well it would explain why uh, quantum mechanics doesn't quite make sense because the programmers didn't bother to uh make up anything to do with the subatomic particles cleverly enough to uh <laughs> I, now, I, I I personally have the theory. I've, I've, I've looked into it, and I believe that the people who believe that are themselves holographic projections from another reality because they don't they don't belong in this reality. So they uh, believe that live in a simulation, but but I don't. I live in, I live in creation. Thank you very much. I I definitely. I'm willing to I'm willing to live and let live. I'm willing to, to meet them halfway. I did. And I did. Say, and to say that they're not real. I did read a story where um, that was pondering this concept where. The characters in it created a simulated world and then the characters in the simulated world created simulated worlds and so on down um yes. and occasionally the character the 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 simulated characters would figure out that they were simulated and work out how to signal up to the world above them that they knew what was going on i wish i could remember more of it or the title but uh <laughs> <laughs> uh i wrote a very similar story once called the golden age so it may be uh uh i'm not but that's not the one that's not the that's, not, that's not definitely not the one but yeah, um yeah huh. but here's, so, the, here's the funny thing if you have enough control if you have a high enough level of technology that you can control what you see and what you don't see or if someone else has control of what you see and what you don't see then in effect you're living in a simulation whether you think you are or not now the difference between that and if you have a clever enough system of censorship where every newspaper, everything that comes over the internet, everyone you talk to, is all deceived by the same group of deceptions. The difference between that and being trapped on the holodeck is a is a question of substance, not a question of, of uh, it's a question of how thorough it is. It's not a question of, of whether it's whether it's all fake or not. So the the reason why these stories are interesting to us is that every reader knows or fears he knows a person who may be completely trapped in a false world of his own making in his own head. And some readers are self-aware enough to wonder if they themselves are, you know, are trapped in, in a world of their own making in their own head. You see? Hmm. That's why these stories are always kind of hopeful. Now, the stories are kind of what I call Gnostic. They're, they're based on the idea that the entire universe is, is an evil deception and that you have to break yourself out. But like uh, revenge stories or detective stories, usually in these stories, the guys do break out. They do find out what the reality is. So that's all, that's all quite hopeful, you see? And in the, in the uh, I don't want to give away the, the surprise ending, but uh, Dark City had a more satisfying ending than the ending of the Matrix trilogy in terms of breaking out of breaking out of the deceivers who are trying to who are trying to manipulate you. Well, they defeat so, the deceivers in the end, don't they? I don't, the, I don't oh, want to give away give away the surprise ending. Fair enough. But yeah, but yeah, but I would I would but anyone hearing me would have already figured that out. So yeah, yeah. I'm in both of them. In both of them, the uh, the uh, Neo, the, the the prophet, the Messiah, does win. You know, well, they make peace so. with the machines and defeat Smith in the Matrix. In Dark City, that's different. Yeah, um, and, and in my opinion, better. Oh yeah, I agree. Yeah. No. Also, in now, I have to say, one of the most ironic versions of the story was in a trapped in holodeck story, where Data asked the computer to make up a version of yes. Professor Moriarty in a Sherlock Holmes story that was smarter than he was. And the, because it's Star Trek, the computer can somehow simply create a uh, uh, an artificial being who is smarter than you are, and the being will have his own Able willpower and soul and data. And, yeah, data. Right, and, and the uh, and the the uh, uh, Professor Moriarty immediately realizes what's going on, immediately takes control of the of the holodeck himself from the inside, 
turns it on and deceives them into believing that they've left the holodeck yeah. and that he has walked out of the holodeck and is walking the quarters of the Enterprise, see? Hmm. And so they, they're, they're deceived. Now, but uh, Turnabout is fair play, and this, this is a surprising thing I don't mind. I don't mind spoiling. They eventually trap him again, even though he's smarter than them, by letting him think that he succeeded in downloading himself and leaving the Enterprise and having an entire universe to go play around with and conquer. But he'll never harm anyone because he's only living in a box that's plugged into the that's plugged into the uh, that's plugged into the uh, holodeck. Hmm. See, so the deceiver was was deceived by his own deception. I just thought that was great. <laughs> you know, it is a good episode. Uh, now, I do think it's absurd to say yes. The computer can simply make someone smarter than Data by asking. You know, why can you write a bestseller too? I'd like you to write a best-selling novel. Now, I believe uh, GP Chat is going to start doing that as of uh, as of next month. Apparently but, so. Uh, yes. But uh, and then we will still then we will all be trapped in the holodeck. And we science fiction writers warned you not to not to give not to not to date robots, not to let the AIs run everything for us. You think it's gonna be convenient at first. But no, it never no, ends they're well. gonna they're gonna if you start giving orders, if you start asking people to deceive you, or if you start allowing them to deceive you, if you only buy newspapers that agree with your point of view, then the newspapers are just gonna lie. They're all just gonna turn into uh, a passel of liars and that in effect is what's happened in, in our real life in our real life we're kind of trapped in the matrix now more than i've ever seen or could have believed imaginable when i was young because <laughs> so many people think reality is fluid they think uh facts are uh, matters of opinion and they think matters of opinions are matters of fact you know so this philosophy of the, the gnostic philosophy the philosophy that all the world is a, is a deception and only your internal feelings of of you Affirming yourself and believing in yourself is the only reality there is in this world of deception. That itself is a deception. And if you welcome deceptions, then they will come. If you're, if you're willing to believe anything you're told, if you're gullible, then the matrix will be built around you slowly, uh, one brick at a time. And then when the bricks are all in place, how are you going to get out of it? What are you going to do? Yep. Is there... No, I agree. I suppose that raises the question... Um... Well, these people, they seem to be, uh, I've seen them referred to as magicians who practice word magic. They think, if, <laughs> they seem to think if you say something enough and declare it, it will become true. Um, that's which, that's which, one of my favorite words for them. Yes, they're, they're magicians. Which might, which might work on a university campus, but doesn't seem to be working that well against Russia. Um. <laughs> yes, if I if I can, if you're making a very important point, and if I can interrupt to say something of really course. frivolous, in the Piers Anthony novel, the uh, Incarnations of Eternity, one of the main characters by mistake becomes the devil, and he has to fight God, and he has to, and, and death, and time, and love, and earth are all members of his group, mm -hmm. and but the old devil doesn't tell him how to run hell, where, where they where the uh, the key codes are, or what the passwords are, or anything. So uh, he simply tries to bluff his way because the, the devil's the father of lies, and he manages to convince the devils that he, had, that he knows the way to destroy them all, which the previous devil knew, the previous, the previous head devil knew, and they all believe him. And then later he realizes the previous head devil didn't know that at all, that there is no devil-destroying infinite weapon that allows the ruler of hell to rule hell, that it's all just deception all the way down. So yes, that is where we're... When you, once you're in hell, once you're in the Matrix, it's just all the Matrix all the way down. The second movie in the Matrix, let me just, uh, if I'm still say, speaking frivolously, 
could have been a lot better because at the ending it was clear he was still trapped in the matrix that was the implication but there, the well, matrix was that was the question the matrix it? was that that's the way i interpreted it but the matrix there was giving him what he wanted to believe which is that he had broken out hmm. it was just the computers giving him the illusion that he wanted to believe because at the very end he neo sticks out his hand and knocks all the computers knocks all the uh uh the evil robots down uh just with a gesture but that only works in the matrix that doesn't work in real life because you can't hack real life this neo is... can't do kung fu in real life he can only he can't do magic in real life he can only do magic in the matrix yeah now the third movie should have played up that angle but instead the third movie was just the wachowski brothers ran out of creative juice or something or money or they couldn't find the right writers, and so it just it crashed and burned. There was a. But a, the problem yeah. is, I've read a short story about a guy who's, as a political prisoner, was trapped in a in a illusion box in the Matrix, and what the what the tormentors did is they just let him believe he had escaped over and over again and and, and, and was trapped again. So when the time came that he was really when he was really freed, he he never believed it. He never trusted his lost senses ever again in his life. You see. Ooh, that's insidious. Horrible, horrible that's story. It, it would work well. They did the same thing in. Um, they did something similar in Inception when Cobb's wife kills herself trying to escape from um, yep. being in being in a dream, but she was in effectively the top level reality, so that didn't go well for her. Or Inception she... is another is another film we should have mentioned where the whole point of Inception is you don't know when you're asleep or when you're awake. There's supposed to be little things you can do, like spin a top, but hmm. if you're dreaming, the top is spinning, then how do you know the dream is not making the top spin? And the ending of that movie is, in my opinion, deliberately meant to be ambiguous. It's yeah. meant to be disquieting. Did he really find his kids again, or was that just his wish fulfillment operating? And that was, that was a very so, very heavy-handed ending. I always liked... Um... Oh, uh, I thought it was ambiguous. I thought I thought it was not exactly clear. Oh, no, was, no, no, it was... Whether he, had, he it was, had made it or not. It was clear... You kind of hear... You kind of hear the the uh, if you stay toward the uh, toward the end, you kind of hear the after the screen goes to Gark, you hear his little top clatter and fall over, which means which is a signal that he's actually in real reality. Yeah. Oh well, I mean, like but, I, I but it's, it, it's only a hint. It's not it's not for sure. It was a good ending. Yeah. It was a, it, just, it was it was kind of a heavy handed ending. I thought I liked. Um, I thought it was better. I mean, it was just heavy handed in the. Does, doesn't the word heavy handed mean that the author is trying to shove his idea down your face in an unsubtle way? Yes. But that ending was that ending was ambiguous. That ending was not was not shoving an idea down your throat. It was no, but it was no, but it was knowing which was which. No, but it was but it was shoving in your face the idea that look, you don't know the answer to this. Ha ha! You don't know if he's really dreaming or he's really awake. Understand our our clever and subtle subtle metaphor. It's, it's, I, you saw a different movie than I did. That's fine. That that idea that theme has to be any time you do any of these movies, Dark City, The Matrix. Uh, Star Trek holodeck. You, you, the idea is that you're going to lose track of what's real and what's not. I and the, and the question is, how do you find out? How do you find out what's real and what's not when you can't trust your instruments? When you can't trust what you you normally use to find out what's real and what's not? No, I agree. And that question is just as good when you're awake as when you're asleep. No, I agree. But I thought it was. I thought the ending of the '90s Arnie movie Total Recall did it better. Um, because right at yes, the end. Because right at the end. He's on the new Mars with the blue skies. He's the hero. Everything's come to an end. And the film just plays it straight. He's he's he the hero the of the story. Right. He's getting the girl. Everything's worked out. And then and then you think about it later and you go, 
Hang on. Didn't the technician who plugged in the the uh, the cartridge to give him the electronic dream mention those things? Yeah, like which means yes, which means that it's all a dream. It could have all it could have but all worse been a dream. than that. It means the whole spy plot was also a dream. Potentially, yes. And that he and that he actually didn't murder anyone. He's still married to his wife, and he's just actually a construction worker. He's he's. You he, see, it's hilarious. He, it's he's very at, subtle. Yeah, he's at he's at he's at recall. I will take it back. He, he's he's at recall having a brain embolism, but they didn't like the end of Inception. No, no, no. The, it's more subtle than that. The brain embolism was part of the spy story. Well, that didn't actually happen either. You see, potentially, yeah. But I mean, like at the end of the film, I mean, he, he, what the, if what if he really is just a just a construction worker? Exactly. He's happily married to his wife, and he just goes in for a, an evening of of electronic delusion. Fun. Yeah. And, and and the whole spy plot is actually just within the yeah. illusion. Then he wakes up and everything's fine. He just had a good time. But, but <laughs> nothing's wrong. No, but I liked. Now, I liked. If he's the spy, he actually died in a chair or something. Or if it actually happened for real, then he wins and Mars has an atmosphere. So I will apologize to you and I will say yes, you are correct. Like compared to Total Recall. Uh, Inception was heavy-handed. Yeah, like they, they did it, shove up your nose they, the idea they, they that you don't know the, what's real and what's not. I mean, that's okay. They, I, they made it. They made it clear and obvious that that was the point. Whereas Total Recall didn't do that. They just told it as a straight action no. film. But at the end, you think back and you go, "Hang on, yeah, hang on." Wait. The technician <laughs> said that would happen. The technician said that would happen, and that can't happen unless he at least he saw it on the tape. Hmm. So this has to be part of the tape. Potentially, yeah, yeah. you're right. And it, does, it doesn't you're answer. Right. It doesn't answer the question at all. I mean. Inception right. doesn't answer the question either, but it sort of it sort of jams the question in front of you. This doesn't even really ask the question until you think back on it, and then you may right. you may or may not put it together. You might just enjoy it as a mindless action romp, but but there's yeah. this really even, deep ideas in romp, it. Even as an action romp, it's it's certainly not certainly not mindless. The idea well, that the only way to deceive a telepath is on the lookout for you is to is to bollocks your own memories. And then the idea that your box self, once your memories are changed, might have a different personality and come to and not might not want to be you again. Yeah. You know, all that is really interesting. All that is really, oh, it's, really it's, it's wild. Such, it's, such a, it's such a wonderful sure. film. I, I, I love it. It's just and, such a great And then when Arnold is dressed like a fat old woman and her head says prepared for surprise and she blows up. Yeah. Now, I do have to say something about the new the revised uh, Total Recall movie yes. that was made in when was it made? I, I, I blanked it out of my memory because I... More recently with... Um... I've, I've been yeah. using the hit memory eraser helmet recently and I, I can't remember where I put it. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, but I don't remember when that film was made. So I was sitting in the, uh, I was sitting in the audience uh, when the commercial for that movie uh, came up on the big screen. And this was back in the days when people watched films in, in theaters, you youngins, <laughs> instead of on widescreen TVs in your, in your, in your, in your living room. And in the movie, in the, in the commercial, a guy who was not Arnold Schwarzenegger, who's this thin guy, perfectly fine actor, but he's not, you know, he doesn't have the Colin immense stage presence of the guy who played, of the guy who played Conan, for example, is, is of course, bewildered because his memory's been, been, been toyed with. And he goes, I don't know who I am. Who am I? And one wag in the audience <laughs> said, well, you're not Arnold. And everyone <laughs> erupted into laughter in the, in the, in the theater, you know. And I said, look, it's like trying to remake Die Hard, that fine Christmas movie. I, uh, there's just no way. I'm sorry. You can't remake Wizard of Oz. Yeah. You can't remake Gone with the Wind. 
and don't don't tug on Superman's cape and don't spit in the wind it, and don't remake an Arnold film. Okay? I, I watched Arnold I watched the remake of Total Recall. It it was it, yeah it, it it doesn't hold a candle to the original, but it was. It's another one of those frustrating cases of the world looked really good, like the the world building and cinematography to build the world and stuff was really good. It's just the plot. Yeah. didn't really work and unlike total recall i don't think there's any doubt at the end of it that um where it ended was where he really was um yeah so and in the in the in the well, um we can remember it for you wholesale i think is the philip k dick short story that total correct. recall was based on and that correct. he, he never was... leaves the chair at recall but he has all these other memories and they're not sure what's going on because <laughs> it's a slightly different take again. But um... Philip K. Dick was really good at writing what I would call the metaphysical thriller, the paranoia thriller, mm-hmm. where you don't know what's real and you don't know what's not, and you don't know who to trust. Uh, he also wrote the short story that Blade Runner was based on. Mm-hmm. His short story was called Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? Mm-hmm. And he wrote the short story that uh, Minority Report was based yep. on. And I have to say, Minority Report is maybe the worst title for a science fiction film I've ever heard, because it makes perfect sense given the knowledge of what's going on. But the story is about whether or not you can punish a man for a crime he hasn't committed yet, if you can tell he's about to do it, if you know he's going to do it, you know. And what what uh, what does that kind of foreknowledge do to your free will, much less to your legal system? Once again, mm-hmm. Philip K. Dick was was adroit at at uh, writing. Stories that question the very fundamentals of reality. And I should mention... He didn't take a lot of drugs. I like science fiction stories. Yeah, well, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, he based his... He took his inspiration from A.E. Van Vogt, who was one of the big three of John W. Campbell's golden age of, of science fiction, when, when Analog was trying to do a different thing with science fiction that had been done in the pulps before. Now, there's a plus and there's a minus to that. I myself think the pulps are superior in many ways. But I'm also a big fan of, of Arthur C. Clarke-style science fiction. And of the three of them, A.E. Van Vogt is, is the one who's most often forgotten. In fact, some people think that the big three were Asimov, Arthur C. Clarke, and, and Robert Heinlein. Mm. And, of course, Arthur C. Clarke was not actually an, not actually an analog uh, author. Uh, in any case, Van Vogt, Van Vogt uh, often wrote stories where the main character is flung into a situation where reality itself is, is up for grabs. And he's not sure who he is, or he's an amnesiac and he has to find out his own identity, or he is a uh, he's been bedeviled by time travelers who turn out to be himself, or things like that. He 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 delighted in the idea of of paradox and the idea of suddenly having to shift your point of view that everything you thought you knew turned out to be a deception. And Philip K. Dick kind of was inspired by this and took his own drug fueled uh, uh, hippie mind blowing uh, take on this. But he wrote some, you know, some pretty darn good stories. Oh yeah, from the movies we, the movies we've just mentioned, you know, and yeah. all of them deal with reality in some in some sense or another. Even, even Blade Runner, are the replicants real? Because if they're real, they're they're in a situation worse than slavery. But mm-hmm. if they're just constructs, then we what do we owe them? Do we owe them anything? Uh, you know, other than uh, other than a merciful death? Because uh, they're just they're just machines. You see the problem? See, now. The whole thing about the, the is reality real type short story, the reason why I find those kind of things fascinating is in the stories they try to find out if you have some other method, aside from your five senses, of figuring out whether reality is real or not. 
And usually in these stories, usually what happens in the, in the holodeck or in the Matrix is there's either someone on the outside who's trying to help you. Mm -hmm. You know, Morpheus will come and, and give you the pill. Morpheus will come say, we'll expand your mind and, and bring you to the other world, the, the real world outside. Uh, and everyone loves that kind of thing because we all kind of secretly wish we could know the, you know, yeah. the, hidden, uh, the hidden truth of reality. Now, some people, I hate to say, get drunk on that. I think people like Marx got drunk on that idea and, and it overthrew his reason and, and and the entire, the entire nightmare of Bolshevik uh, revolutions and bloodthirsty mania that followed from that was because of that drunkenness. Because it's just not a, you're not that smart. I'm sorry, you don't know something that that no one else knows. You know, you're not the, you're not the secret uh, woke. You're not enlightened. Okay. In fact, you're stupider than the people you're talking to. So shut up. <laughs> I'm sorry. Quite it doesn't work that way. But in a story. In a story, everyone secretly wishes it was the case. The same way, in a story, everyone secretly wishes either to be Frodo or to be Conan, depending on your mood, depending on whether or not you want to be tempted by a, a, a hideous ring of power that you can't resist, or whether you just want to cleave a few skulls and, and smooch a few buxom uh, uh, yep. uh, tavern wenches or something. So, but the the in the stories, at least, and this may be true in reality as well, there's always an inconsistency. There's always a lapse. You see the cat walk by twice in the Matrix because yeah. the Matrix has a glitch. Or like I said, Nia, uh, Morpheus, the Lord of Dreams, someone in Dreams comes by and tells you that there's a bigger reality out there that you have to look for. Now, in real life, if you believe a false doctrine, if you, if you have created a false world in your head, I firmly believe that you can reason your way slowly out of it. It's as, it's as difficult as Theseus with a trying to wind a ball of thread while he's being pursued by a minotaur to get out of the maze, and there's no guarantee you're not going to get more lost, because mm. some people do, you know. They do. But there's still some there's still some hope because yep. reality is real. If there is a matrix and the matrix is inside the holodeck, and the holodeck is inside of the the memory the memory white the memory uh, uh, manipulation machine of the uh, of the strangers or so on, there's got to be a, 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 a final level. There's got to be a there's got to be reality that all this is based on. Because where be, else are they getting their ideas? You know, it, it can't be dream machines all the way up. <laughs> it cannot be dream machines all the way up. At the top, there has to either be Buddha or God. I don't see any other option between those two. Mm. You know, I hope it's not Neo because, as in terms of messiahs, he's not actually that impressive. I mean, I like Kennedy, so he doesn't. You know, he, he's a swell guy, but. Uh, he kills too many cops for my taste. Those guys, those those poor people were completely innocent. Mm. Now, I should say, if if they had established in the film that the cops you kill just wake up in another life, you know, because they don't really die if you kill them, then I would have been fine with that. But uh, as it was, I thought they handled that okay in the film because they said all of these people are trapped in the matrix, and they they're effectively your enemies, even though you're trying to help them. You're trying to rescue them. They're like, I guess. You, I, I got you out of your mind. No, no, but you I mean, you get I guess, to kill an innocent person. Well, because someone is manipulating him into 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 fighting you. I suppose. I suppose in their mind, it was something like um, the the ends, the, the ends justify the means. Is that no, 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 no. But like, it's 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 the private. It's the German private in the bunker um, manning the machine gun at D-Day. He's the bad guy. You have to kill him because he will kill you if you don't. 
But I mean, not he's not. But he's in uniform. He, but he's but, but he's in uniform. Fine, but I mean, but he's like he's the enemy and he needs to be destroyed. But there's no way this guy is. Um, there's a reasonable chance this guy is not sort of the mustachio twirling villain um, uh, in the process of executing the final solution with glee. Uh, he's just some poor dog face that's on the other side, um, stuck in this stuck in that, this god awful situation. Logic. You are way too generous. Fair that enough. logic cannot possibly apply to the Matrix because what that is is every every Marxist going back to the the Gnostics of the of the Bronze Age and the and the uh, the esoterics of the Middle Ages thought that they were more enlightened than the Muggles than the, than the ordinary benighted people, and they think that everyone who doesn't who doesn't serve uh, their version of God, their secret God that only they know about, is serving the demiurge, is serving the devil. And is therefore an enemy, and therefore you may do anything you need to against them, okay? Because all of reality is oppressing you. You're the underdog. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? Oh yeah, so the, no, the I theory, agree. The the reason the the way that the way that uh, jihadists in Islam, and the way that Marxists in in Marxism, justify political violence against innocent bystanders who have done them no wrong and not offended them is they say. These people are part of a system that oppresses us. Actually, that's exactly what they said. Actually, that's literally what they say in the Matrix, isn't it? I guess I stand corrected. Right, right. Fair enough. No, you're right. So now I do have to say, as an author, if you're going to write a Matrix movie, if you're going to write a movie where all of reality is against you, then yes, everyone is going to be your enemy because you can't go to the police because the police work for the enemy. You can't go to your father because your father's been taken over by the enemy. But I will point out that there are movies that have this theme that don't go the Marxist way of getting out of the Matrix, because the Marxist way is to shoot everyone and then turn into the Messiah. On the Truman Show, did you see the Truman Show? I have seen the Truman Show, that's a great Jim Carrey film. That guy, it's a great Jim Carrey film, that guy lives in a false reality. True. And he gives everyone pleasure, he's been raised by a corporation, so I guess they're his parents, I guess they're his father and mother, and nothing wrong with taking baby pictures, so it's kind of understandable, and yet everyone is lying to him, okay? Yes. Everyone except for like maybe one girl, one one bit part actress once who blurted out something to him, and he fell in love with her, and so because of that he wanted to go to uh, uh, whatever it was, Katmandu or or uh, Aruba or something. The the funniest uh. bit of that, I think it was, I don't remember if this was in the movie itself or it was only in the trailer, is the star Sirius A falls out of the constellation of Canis Major. Yeah, it's just a dome over his. Yeah, and lands at his feet. And he goes, how did that happen? It's a light, yeah. And every time he tries to physically leave the set, they arrange some disaster <laughs> to try and stop him. Yes, it gets And true. eventually he figures it out. You see, the, the inconsistencies build up. His desire for the truth is true, is too good. They've made him scared at the of, very end of it, and, yeah. At the very end of it, he gets to the door, and he says the same, the, 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 the same goodbye line he always says. And when the door closes, he's out, he's out of range of the cameras. And we, the audience, can't see him anymore. Hmm. So we don't know what becomes of him. Because once you're in reality, you're on your own. Now that was a very hopeful film because they, he was also trapped in illusion. He made his way out. People helped, People on the other side helped him out. And he also made it out by his own persistence. See? So if you're trapped on the holodeck, you gotta, you got to hope that more people show up. Or that uh, Dr. Schreiberg, if you're in the dark city, that Dr. Schreiberg would help you. Uh, what a brilliant performance by by that by that actor too. By the way, I believe it was Kiefer Sutherland, mm-hmm. who just did a great job. Uh, 
and I haven't I haven't mentioned the name of the actor who was in who was in Dark City, because I, I even though he's an actor I like I can't bring his name to mind at the moment. He was also in A Knight's Tale, and he was also in the uh, he was also in Cold Comfort Farm, but I can't I can't I can't bring his name to mind. Great actor, I, I think you should do more stuff. So if I there's get... a way out of the Matrix, what's that? Did you remember his name? No, but I was going to say, so this raises the question, how do you get out of the Matrix? It sounds like you can't get out of the Matrix unaided. It depends. It, it, because in, in the movies I've just mentioned, all the heroes get help from someone. But they also have to persist and not be satisfied with the lies they're being told. Mm -hmm. Even if the lies are comforting to them. You see? Now, in the case of the Truman story, that's one of my favorites because he's motivated by love. See, he wants to get out of the illusion because the girl he he's, he's fallen in love with has, has gone away. Mm. Uh, Neo is a different case. Neo is just kind of dissatisfied with his with his dull nine to five hacker job, you know. And he's interested in the in the wildlife, and uh, uh, he sees a rabbit tattoo just behind some yep. ear, and wonders if that's a sign that he should go down the rabbit hole and 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 find the weird things in life. Uh, the Matrix was not made by guys who I think have a very healthy view of the world. Uh, Dark City is Dark City is a little different. Dark City, the uh, the aliens are looking for something that human beings have that they don't. I'm not going to give away the surprise mm. by saying what it is. Uh, but in all these stories, there's usually something in the person that makes them worthwhile to be deceived. You must, you've got to be important, otherwise the newspapers will not be lying to you. Let me, let me put it that way, and let me just say that in in real life too. Mm. By the way, all you listeners who who believe that January 6th was actually an insurrection and not just a, uh, a uh, peaceful gathering. Um, yes, someone thinks you're important. Someone thinks your vote is important or your action is important. Otherwise, they would not be lying their faces off to you, telling you lies that are so ridiculous that no one would ever believe them. But to get out of the Matrix, you've got to be the hero. You've got to not accept the lie. You've got to be skeptical. You've got to question. But here's the thing that's really ironic. You've also got to have faith in the real world that you've never seen. You're in, the, you're in the position of the pilgrim of Christianity who has to believe in the celestial city that he's never seen. He just heard about it in a book. Mm. You know, they told him how to escape the city of destruction. You see? So even these, even these Gnostic kind of stories, Gnosticism is a Christian heresy. It's also other things, but part of it is a Christian heresy. But every heresy has to have a grain of truth to it or else it wouldn't have any appeal. No one, yeah. is, really, no one is really attracted to lies per se. No one's attracted to... A, 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 a truth that has a little bit of lie kind of draped over it. Well, the reality of it is you do come into this world surrounded by deception. You come into this world surrounded by original sin. You come into this world surrounded by people who will people who will lie to you, and, and, and you'll lie to yourself too, which is scarier. Uh, you have to have faith that there's truth out there, and you have to have persistence. You have to have fortitude to look for it, and not to be too sad if it turns out to be a harsher truth than you thought. You know? That's why a certain amount of humility is needed for everyone to be to anyone to study philosophy. Because the whole point of philosophy is you ask questions that you find uncomfortable yourself hmm. to see whether you can answer them or not. If you're a proud man, you're going to regard those questions as absurd. It's absurd for me to think that everything I think could be a lie. Well, maybe not. What if that's a lie too? You see. Hmm. So, uh, but I speak from personal experience. I used to be an atheist. I had a very coherent worldview. Every little detail was was in place. I had completely deceived myself by something which I now regard as a very childish form of self-deception. But there was someone out there. There was a messiah 
I don't think he knows Kung Fu, who did come to my rescue. Okay. So it happens. You're not, hmm. if you're being deceived, you're not on your, you're not entirely on your own. But you have to have a certain amount of persistence to try to claw your way out of the swamp. Because the deceiver is going to use every every trick at the book. You know, Agent Smith is going to come kick your butt if you try to upset the apple cart, if you try to question, you know, the what the Matrix is trying to, is trying to feed you. So hmm. it's your decision. You can either be a sheep or you can be a lost sheep. And you can, either, you can find the shepherd or you can just go it on your own. Yep. You know? And I don't recommend going it on your own if, if you can find the if you can find the good shepherd. If you take my meaning, I do. So, <laughs> so he will lead us. He will lead us out of the maze of deception. Well, this comes from the outside. Well, I right? guess he, I, I suppose the alternative is to take the path of the Buddha. Uh, the yeah, and just ignore everything the, and just and just try to. Well, no, but he to, he to became deceive. enlightened through meditation or whatever. I don't know the story well enough. Oh, here's what, here's what happened. I can tell you the story. Sure, with, go ahead. With, 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 with deep apologies to any Buddhists out there. He was raised as a prince. Oh, yes. I know that. Unlike, unlike our Lord born in a stable. And his father heard the prophecy that he would be the, either be the greatest warrior or the greatest prophet of all time. So he showered him with, with women and wine and song and luxuries and kept away from him all ugliness and all unpleasantness. One day, out of curiosity, Sneaking out of the palace, he saw an old man, and he was shocked that a guy could be old and wrinkled and horrible looking. He, he probably saw me. And then the next time he snuck out, he saw a sick woman, and he couldn't understand how anyone could be could be their, that their bodies could be a, a source of torment, because every everyone he had everything he'd ever seen in life was a source of pleasure. And the, the third time he went out, he saw a corpse, and he couldn't understand why the body wasn't moving anymore and where had the soul gone and so on and so forth. He was so shocked that he realized that he had to over that he realized his father had deceived him, and that in fact, his his desire for pleasure had deceived him. So he sat down underneath a bow tree and started to meditate. And as he meditated, the god of illusion himself and all of his daughters came to try to seduce him and distract him and draw him away from his ascetic discipline. But he was having none of it because he's he's the world enlightened one. He's the Buddha, and he he meditated until he found enlightenment he found the four noble truths which is that that attachment or desire causes suffering that the only way to 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 rid yourself of suffering is by is by uh, uh getting rid of detachment by detaching yourself from attachment okay and that the ego the self is the source of is the source of misery so in, in uh, and again i am i am Apologize again for because I'm, I'm I'm giving a very uh, a very inadequate uh, version of this, of this story, but he found a way to achieve nirvana, which is windlessness, which is perfect tranquility. And this is tranquility so perfect that all the illusions of the world simply drop away from from him. In the, in the nirvana, there's neither life nor death, there's neither pain nor pleasure, but neither is there I, neither is there age nor youth, and even self and non-self goes away. So, so he enters into a perfect mystical state where he is at one with the universe. So, yeah, that's not that's not a story that I think any anyone should mock either of the East or the West. Yeah. There's something there's something truly noble about that because he's more stoical than a stoic, and he's turning he's not deceived by the lust of the senses. The, he's not deceived by the three things that tempted Christ: the lust of the eyes, the lust of the senses, and the glory of the world. You say. Mm. And I and I apologize to my Christian friends because I think I misquoted that quote too. Uh, 
He found a way out of the trap. Now, because I'm a Christian, I think that there's something beyond nirvana. Mm. I think there's a paradise full of joy where yourself is not forgotten but fulfilled, where your nature is not expunged but is completed and made perfect by a God who is not, you're not at one with him because he's your father, but he will fill you with everything you need to be to, to, to be to be like to be like unto him. So, I've, I'll, so yeah, I've, that's still better than being a Marxist who thinks that you have to destroy the world in order to somehow create a utopia that's not going to work anyway. Hmm. Well, on that note, you ne we need to find our way out of the illusion, and Christ will take us out of the illusion and bring us into the true light. Um, Correct. So that brings... Because, this, let, let me interrupt and just say, sure. because the first thing the devil says is that Christ is the illusion. That there was no historical Christ, no man ever can come back from the dead, don't be absurd. He's just one religion among many, and if you believe in him, you're a bigot, because we all know Christians are just bigots, and so on and so forth, you're part of the patriarchy. So, because... Christianity is, is, is criticized for many opposite reasons. <laughs> the first thing you have to do is decide whether or not you trust Christ, decide whether or not you trust reality, decide whether or not you trust the truth. You say, even if you haven't seen it yet, you have to believe it's there. And the same is true for a non-Christian who's merely a philosopher or merely a seeker after truth. You have to have faith the truth is there, otherwise you won't look for it. Mm. If, it's, if, if you actually believe it's delusions all the way down, you know, why live? You know. mm. so. What do you do? Well, on, do that, do? on that note, thank you everybody for joining us. This brings the first season of Against the Mountains of Madness to a close, and we will be returning in the near future for season two. Uh, like, share, and subscribe, and we'll see you again soon.